The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. And what do you want, then? I'm looking for information. I don't serve your kind here, bounty hunter. Do you want to know what happened to the last Nerfburger who denied me my quarry? What? He didn't live to listen to the next episode of the Dark Times podcast. Sam, we're back. We're back, baby! Sam, it's, it's, we did it. It's episode six of Critically Acclaimed. No, we're not gonna We're do. Critically Acclaimed, I think so. <laughs> uh, we're it's episode six of the Star Wars Dark Times podcast. And like normal Star Wars, there's nothing else that comes after this. Nope, not a single thing. You can ignore every other episode after this because they're not gonna be as good as Empire. <laughs> I hope, I hope people don't take that to heart. Please no. keep listening. <laughs> no, they'll keep listening. What else are we going to do? <laughs> I don't have anything else to do with listening to the podcast. That's true. I'm right there with you. All right. Um, I'm Steven. I'm Sam, as we mentioned. Kind of about you. We introduced each other this Yeah, time, you know, it's, like. it's it's a little more casual. We're getting into it. It's yeah, episode it's, six. This is a DM episode. It's a DM, so DM episode. If, this, if that interests you, that's fine. If not, you know, just stick around. There'll still be some jokes. Oh, it'll be worth listening to regardless there. of who you are. If, if you're, you're interested in DMing, then this is definitely a good episode to listen to. Absolutely. Or if you're, you know, a seasoned DM as well. As always, if you love Swissy, you're going to love this podcast. Got a lot of promises we're coming up with this episode that I don't know if we can deliver on. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm suddenly uh, lost all confidence in everything. Okay, so we had some notes from last. Week. We got some notes from last week, and you know I love highlighting stuff that people point out from last week because it's well, always it's good. fun. Yeah, no, and I love returning to old topics because you know it's like a it's like a conversation. It's fun. Do the fill for time. Yeah, also. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we had this um, obviously little literalist um on the on the Swissy Discord, and I think. Uh, well, I don't think he talks about us on the subreddit all that much, but he always provides a, a plethora of wonderful notes uh, in, in response to the episode. And um, he had a tip for new players that really stood out to me um, last week, and, and I thought I'd just read that off verbatim. As another tip for new players, remember that your backstory can help flesh out personality, but what you do during the campaign is probably going to be more important than what happened before the campaign. And, you know, this I, I've heard this advice in, in other words before, and I, I think it's worth emphasizing, and I'm a little surprised to myself for not bringing it up last week that, you know, that backstory is going to inform the character's worldview and, and um, preconceptions and, and stuff like that. And that's important. But like, obviously when you make a character, like the most defining event of their life should occur in the, During campaign. the campaign. Yeah. Absolutely. Like a hundred percent. That's what the story you're telling with your friends should be about. So I, I like, I like that. I like that because you can think of, there's the number one character that people sort of like making and it's sort of, scoundrel orphan does that make sense you know oh no i know exactly what you mean this the scoundrel orphan who has no connections to the galaxy whatsoever they're misfits all the way down which you know okay yeah they lost their parents is that the biggest part of their life it will be until you as the dm introduce their parents are still alive you pull a full fucking ezra bridger on their ass no seriously (laughs) like i'm i'm waiting for wait are his parents alive i think they might be they might actually be dead <laughs> wait oh shit no i think they were alive for a little bit longer than he thought yeah they he were. thought they were but alive i think for they're longer. still they dead, died <laughs> but just not for the as long as he thought they were dead <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like i gotta rewatch rebels soon it's i'm getting the itch um, absolutely for some good ahsoka content oh yeah seriously not for anything else well pretty much like we said last time like everything except ezra is fantastic <laughs> about that show man um if that show was about any of the other characters it would be unforgettable and it's oh, great yeah, it, it's, it is it's a 
worth the watch entirely, but only because they kind of leave behind the Ezra parts of it towards the latter half. Well, Steve, as a DM, do you prefer a player with a very flushed out backstory? You know, or do you prefer something nice and like simple, not very filled out at all? I'm glad you asked. Um, when it comes to Swissy, strictly like Swissy, I've got such a great handle on kind of just the Star Wars world, or at least I, I feel like I do. I feel like you do also. Thank you. A very simple kind of bare bones backstory is, is something I prefer. Um, I know that's the kind of backstories I prefer writing for my characters. But as a DM, do you prefer that or do you prefer a player who has like, because I know we have friends who would have the of whole course. fucking lineage. They can trace their players yeah. back to the Mandalorian Wars, uh, the siege, like, you know, all the way back to the old Republic era stuff. Yeah. And that's awesome. No, and I so love cool. stuff like that. But I, at the same time, I think we had a moment where your character had very bare bones sort of backstory and i gave him a whole like six family members he that weren't really pre-written before yeah no exactly and i i think that's why as a as a gm i definitely prefer the um the more open bare bones backstory because there's just more creative freedom in there there's there's kind of bounds in which to work and the more that there's just the basic structure there the base things that inform this character that i, th I think uh, kind of conversely there's more to work with there if that makes sense yeah I agree, I agree. That does definitely makes sense. Especially if there's more... And if your player's really cool about being, like, fluid with it. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. If I can ask my player fucking session 30, like, hey, what's your... Do you, your parent, Does your player have any hometown, like, friends or anything like that? Like, then that's fine. If they can come up with something on the fly or I can make something up for them. That's this always good. An example I was really proud of that I wrote in my hex crawl guide uh, for, like, making random encounters, like, have, like, a reason and, like, soul behind them, not just, you know for scout troopers on a speeder bike, but you know, in like a space exploration setting, have one of your orphan scoundrel party members, parents ship, just be there just floating in space. <laughs> like there's a plot hook. Exactly. <laughs> like, and that can mean anything, a fat, juicy plot. hook. Exactly. And where hook. you go from there is going to depend entirely on the player's reaction. And fuck that's storytelling, baby. I, I can, Ooh, Ooh, <laughs> Sorry, getting no, it's hot okay. and heavy over here. I, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, we've got some other things you said you want to talk about, so I let you. I'll let you introduce those. Yeah, your th notes there. this was another thing from last week that I didn't know about and had been on the wiki for I don't know how long, but it's called the bonus class talents. This is a set of homebrew rules created by. Uh, for house rules, as people house, house rules. Yeah, what do they say? You said homebrew rules. Homebrew rules. That oh, works, yeah. but Sorry. people yeah. more likely know them as house. Th rules. This is definitely a house rule versus a, a homebrew anything. Um, these were created by the Saga Continues user Richard Belmont Ten. Um, love love Castlevania. Um, <laughs> that username is so familiar to me. I, I need to look into it because I'm pretty sure he he had a lot to do with something, and I I think he worked on Saga Forge. You might have. Maybe. I need to look into that separately, which is, you know, Saga Forge will come up later. Um, but so we highlighted a few talents um, last week, Sam, that are just known. They're known to suck. They're known to suck. And this, this house rule sort of gives a little bit of uh, your player has to take one of those kind of talents, like one of those kind of garbage talents. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm it, it's you get they get one bonus class talent for relevant heroic class. Let's um, let's read the let, let's just read the read the shit. Um, the player chooses their bonus class talent for the relevant heroic class from this list at character creation. This list being the the web page I'm looking at right now. For example, if he has created a noble, he would choose a noble bonus class talent. 
To choose a force bonus class talent, the PC must have a force sensitivity feat. Some talents have prerequisites, which would have to be fulfilled at level one before selecting the talent. So this is what you get one of these at character creation, right? Yes. Yes. So this is, I like this. This this is kind of meant to highlight and give more reasons to select a talent that is almost certainly going to be overlooked otherwise by a, by a player character. Jetpack training's on here for soldiers. I thought that was pretty cool because, you know, it it might not always be super incentivized to make a jetpack guy. There's a few other ways to mix. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Especially because if the, if you need the talent to be trained in jetpack and using jetpacks, then it makes sense that if it's a free talent, you'd be more inclined to make a jetpack based build. Exactly. And you know, I'm all for incentivizing jetpack guys in my star Wars storytelling system because gosh, golly, there aren't enough. There aren't enough. I love jetpack guys. I wish there was a jetpack guy in every party. Yeah. I see our, our good old friend, the gambler, talent oh yep on I, there i had a feeling gambler would be on here because <laughs> dear fucking god it's it's perfect as well as sort of um entreat aid or it's just there's a lot of these like vehicle sneak for yeah, scouts vehicle sneak a lot of these were there's something you probably wouldn't want to take as a talent but they'd make a good bonus talent lightsaber defense like is this. on here which I, I like to see because lightsaber defense is cool but like i said before there's a lot of other talents i would take before i dipped into lightsaber defense so it's just cool to see these talents that, you know, are either underwhelming or cool, but not necessarily cooler than some of the other options. Um, yeah, we'll still be at the table with, with this. I think I, I might incorporate these rules sometime down the line because I like them a lot. And while we're on the topic of house rules, yeah. I know that you have a house rule regarding, de- I don't know if we've talked about this already, but destiny points. How do you do Because de- in the system, you get a certain amount of destiny points. Yeah, as, I think rules is written, Normally, yeah, you start with destiny points. I believe you start with one destiny point and then gain one each level. Um, the way I've done it, and... Well, real quick, oh, destiny yeah. points. Destiny points. There's something that not every player would know, or anyone who's new to the system would know. Destiny points are, you know, you spend a destiny point, uh, you automatically score a critical hit, you automatically cause an attack made against you to miss, you can act out a turn take damage that would otherwise harm another character within your reach, increase the effect of some force powers, or immediately gain three force points. These are meant to be those kind of super dramatic storytelling moments where you seem like that the the heroes of the story are, you know, at their wit's end, that maybe they're about to lose, and then something incredibly dramatic happens that that changes the the tide and turns the battle in their favor, puts all the cards in their hands. I like to think of um, Obi-Wan killing Darth Maul for the first time. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Uh, Yeah, on the move. I I think... Go ahead. Where it looks like, you know, it's like, oh, he's done. Like, that's it. He's going to fall down the pit. And, <laughs> and Darth, Darth Maul spent a destiny point to survive, or maybe. Oh, or hey, like that's that. another great example from the exact same situation. I was thinking something along the lines of Luke Skywalker nailing the Death Star for uh, with that proton Absolutely. That that's is... definitely like a destiny point. Like, Absolutely. scored a crit on the Death Star. That's great. 100%. Um... So you 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 want to talk about my house rule regarding destiny yeah. points? Okay. Whereas normally you get one every level and one at character creation. Were you talking about where I just give them out when you do yeah. something cool? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So th- this was inspired by the hero point system in Pathfinder, and um, that might this might piss some people off. This house rule. Okay. Let's hear it. Let's very, hear it. I I've been handing out. Well, I haven't been doing this for like the latter quarter of a campaign. I just started handing out destiny points. When my players did something cool or something especially heroic, yeah, something where they risked their own lives at the expense of the party or a planet or or anything like that, 
Um, and now th- this is, let me emphasize, this will only be appropriate for like a very high powered, like heroic, super like non gritty, very high flying campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, cause those destiny points get used, man. I mean, a guaranteed crit, the negation of a crit, everything you listed is huge story changing stuff. Absolutely. Um, and it worked well, especially since there was a lot of force powers, very powerful force powers being flung around pretty regularly in that campaign. So yeah, uh, something to consider if you want to just absolutely amp the shit out of your campaigns. Start giving out destiny Start points. Start giving out destiny points. And the effect I found that it had on the game was was exactly what I had hoped. Players started doing riskier and more dramatic things more often. And these were players that, for one reason or another, maybe had trouble coming out of their shell or you know, were so attached to their characters they didn't want to do anything terribly risky. Um, once I started dangling full-on destiny points in front of them, the gameplay got incredibly dynamic very interesting <laughs> very powerful and i think it also ties into when you have players like i think our group was very they, they're very they definitely enjoy good storytelling moments oh yeah like i've had a few characters that were probably willing to die no yeah at a moment's notice no, for the cause 100 like pulse your old clone trooper i i think every opportunity he had to like Lay martyr, life martyr himself <laughs> I, I think you took it yeah, well, <laughs> when you say it like that it makes you sound like some sort of weirdo well but... <laughs> you know you're a role player we're, <laughs> i think we're all I am a sort yeah. of weirdo huh yeah. yeah i think with with pulse he was sort of for context he was a clone trooper that did not execute order 66 and was very much not aware that the war with the separatists was over will you share with the class why that was because I really like how you did this in his backstory. Oh, his his whole deal was that he was on like an outpost that was sent out in the space, like, like a deep a, orbit, like, like a deep observation orbit satellite post. or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And it was just clones on the outpost, so there was no Jedi to kill or anything, and mm-hmm. they they didn't get the signal. Um, a lot of his, his fellow squad mates like were suffering from like uh, aneurysms relating to the the inhibitor chip, so they had them all removed. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one who survived. But his whole thing is he got discovered by Jedi, and he never got a chance to work with a Jedi, so he was very, like, eager to prove his mettle, and he, he kind of regretted not being there for the end of the war, yeah. or he thinks that if he were there, that he could have changed the tide of the war, and they wouldn't have lost. When Pulse was introduced to the party, that was really cool, because, you know, the the two Jedi we had in the party at the time had very fresh memories of Order 66, and had, of course, lost everything to Order 66, so when they saw um, a clone... For the first time in a long time, it was very controversial, very, or not com- controversial, very confrontational, very tense uh, moment. And I, I think having that reason baked in for, for Pulse to be so willing to serve Jedi uh, versus the existing Jedi's adversaries. Distrust. Yeah, distrust of, of clones. That was a really excellent dynamic that, that got hammered out through and the And we'll have, we should, I don't know if we did his build already we've done a couple we've highlighted some key parts of it but i don't think we've like if we ever do like the full like the build is very much like tank protector yeah sort of thing or or he would take hits for other players and stuff like that yeah so he was very much always doing that sort of proving himself for the jedi and stuff like that and for the right for the cause and i I very much enjoy um those sort of moments definitely were rewarded with destiny points oh yeah (laughs) I mean, it was funny because I was like, yeah, maybe I'll start giving out destiny points for heroic sacrifice. And then <laughs> Sam's here with heroic sacrifice. The, the character. character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every other week he was trying to trying to stop someone with something. It's great. It was it was so good. Very much enjoyable. Yeah, wonderful memories. Uh, we've got some other stuff. Some DM uh, related 
questions. I think these are also from these are Nate's from our, our friend Nate. Yeah, uh, Champion Corn. Thank you once again for this lovely still, list of questions. We're still pouring. We're through still it. pouring through it. I think we have like three or four more of these to get through. But but here I picked out a, a couple good ones again. Um, I'll I'll read his question. Are there very any specific DM tools, custom or otherwise, that you use? Five E has a lot out there. Yes, it does, and I love using them. But some just don't work for Star Wars Saga Edition. Also, how do you build NPCs and monsters? I know there are those sections as well, but there seems to be way too many options for me to do them quickly. You'd be right. Mostly, I find pregens and tweak them if they're under or overpowered. Um, Nate, I'm going to address the last part of that question first. Um, finding pregens and tweaking them. You you found pretty much my favorite method, at least. That's what I do, what, too. Yeah, and what I believe to be the best. Unless um, I'm doing sort of like a boss. Or yeah, unless like I have something super special, like like campaign antagonist, BBEG guy. Like making some, making a custom Darth Crate step lock, because that's what, just what you do, because you're a cool guy you like know, that. You something, know, something <laughs> like that. You know, maybe something along those lines. But yeah, um, Nate, in, a, in an old system that doesn't have 80%, 90% of the RPG market share, you are looking at effectively the best method you have, finding a, st- a pre-existing stat block that either Watsi or someone else made, and then morphing it and reflavoring it to your needs. This is the best and the most proven way of quickly generating enemies for, for Saga Edition. Um, so I, I definitely do like doing like reskinning uh, NPCs yeah. for combat and stuff like that. Yeah, I think... I don't know if you have any more better experience on ways to do that, but I think especially if you want to do like changing the species, let's say there's a thug and you want to make it a Trandoshan thug, you yes. give them that, that regeneration, stuff like that. Yes. How would you on the fly go about reskinning an NPC for combat? Is yeah, that, so or is that something just don't even try? <laughs> you've probably noticed um, many of the stat blocks in Swissy are completely species agnostic. Unless yeah. they're for like a named character, they don't have a species nor any species bonuses to go along with them. Usually what they have is they will have like feats where they're the human bonus feats. Yes. So they're implying that it's a human, so you can change it however you yeah. like. I believe there's specific directions for swapping in species. I believe in the core rulebook, but they boil down to effectively what I'm going to I'm going to say right now. Um, the quickest way to do it is probably the simplest, and that's where you pull up the species traits for, let's say, the Transocean, and you just mentally or literally paste them onto the stat block and go from there. Um, you make the ability adjustments, which should take a little bit of time. Um, of course, changing the abilities is going to change things like scores and, and stuff like that, and that's going to... You probably shouldn't calc those out until you need them. Yeah. Like it'd be probably plus one or plus two. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a tiny difference anyway. I don't recommend (laughs) nailing down the mechanic skill check of your Trandoshan thug if you don't need him to be making mechanic skill checks. And and the the Duros noble isn't going to need his skill focused pilot anytime soon Mm. if he's. Not no, piloting no. anything. Absolutely not. And if he is, then of oh, course. No, it's, sorry, it. it's a reroll pirate, reroll pilot check. Exactly. So time. you know, don't don't sweat about getting down everything. But uh, this actually brings me to the kind of the big umbrella point I wanted to make on this topic. Um, the hard truth is that reflavored or not, NPCs printed in the books will fulfill your needs ninety percent of the time. That that is a belief I hold deep in my heart. There's a lot of people out there who dedicate endless hours of their days and nights to building just the right stat block for every situation but personally my own philosophy i don't believe that's necessary at all i think i think you could run a full campaign one to 20 just with the stat blocks in the core rulebook i think that was designed for that purpose i I think think dawn of defiance is literally that right yeah yeah no (laughs) you're right and dawn of defiance introduces actually funny enough a few stat blocks exclusive to dawn of defiance 
but none of them are wildly different mm-hmm. from what you could find in the core rulebook or make yourself if you just had the core rulebook. And in a pinch, you know, let's say you have like a bunch of five thugs. I think a thug's like a CL1 or CL0 around Something there. Something around Maybe there, CL2 yeah. even. Mm-hmm. But just give, I think they have like an axe. Yeah. Just give them something else. Exactly. You know, weapon. I never heard like the vibro axe is in my mind, such a specific weapon. Like I think of like the Gamorrean guys. Exactly. exactly. Um, but you know, give it, make it a, a piece of rebar. You know, you I go. love doing shit like that. Like, what's scarier than a thug coming at you with, like, a pipe? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Especially in Star Wars, too. We don't see that a whole lot. Um, but if you need more, some, some a resource that I actually personally love, and this actually, uh, DMF, he was a old Order 66 affiliate that got hired by Watsi to, like, publish shit. Oh, so that's, his wait, contrib- really? Yes, his contributions were actually made it into official material. That is so cool. Uh, I think he worked a lot on Galaxy at War specifically. The memory escapes me. But if you look up DMF's big list of NPCs for Star Wars Saga Edition, you're going to find a really, really nice resource. I think it's close to, gosh, maybe 100 pages. And not only do you have a plethora of, like, insanely good stat blocks for any Star Wars era ever, each stat block also has a paragraph or two just discussing various options that you could swap in or out for that. Oh, I've, staff I've read these. Yeah, it's there's so some cool, that are really right? good. So in it's there. kind of more of a classic, like monster manual style um, uh, approach. And it's, gosh, the st- every stat block in there is golden. Some of them kind of. Um, he, he writes a lot of stat blocks that are already covered in the core rulebook and a lot of official supplements, but I tend to enjoy his versions better. Uh, I'm sure people disagree, but dmf's big book of npcs is a, a personal favorite I've, I've always have that right on my hard drive whenever i need it when it comes to also um threats of the galaxy isn't is an official supplement it has general grievous on the cover actually one of my favorite covers because it's just like flames and general grievous looking <laughs> like he's about to kill you and i'm like now that is a cover it's like the hood of my mustang or something yeah like that. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god you're right that would be a sick sick decal but yeah that's kind of um that was pitched as the monster manual for saga edition um, back in the day, and I think it does a great job. It has everything to like the minor politician and like a sniveling like starship mechanic and like General Grievous. So <laughs> yeah, if it's got Grievous in there, yeah. like hell. In between, like all of that, you have nearly every NPC you want. So yeah, tweak and adapt and change official content as you need. I I you have my personal CVP guarantee that that's all you'll ever need for any of your campaigns. If you disagree with me then go hit up DMF's big list of NPCs. Um, do you have anything to add, Sam? I was going to get into some more DM tools. Well, I think we have mentioned for like doing stuff for like big bads. Oh, or yes. Or any specific heroic uh, enemy, stuff yes. like that. You were talking about, well, we've mentioned in the past, Saga Forge. Yeah, Saga Forge is an, it's an Excel-based tool uh, powered by like macros. It's currently maintained by Tistas. He's a really cool guy. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That's um, really, really just excellent stuff. Um, it's been around forever, but like I said, it's, it kind of, it was released and then there was kind of a slump in the middle and now Tistess is taking it up and he's been doing a fantastic job. That thing runs better than it has, I'm sure ever before. It's honestly, I've made a few characters with it. It's great. Mm-hmm. I like that you can do HTML stat blocks. Yeah. Right yeah. It will like print that. out an HTML stat block for you and it looks really good. It's yeah, colorful. It's it bolded in all the right places. It's, it's really nice. Um, the tool used to be fairly unstable and somewhat inconsistent, but like I said, in the past year or two, it's been unbelievable the the amount of quality that's been dumped into this thing um it has a mode for making beasts uh that's very good it's very good for droids as well i found especially recently oh yeah because custom droids and saga edition are probably 
one of the harder things as a player to tackle. Definitely, like, shouldn't be the thing, like, a first-timer does. Like, a custom droid is is definitely for someone who has, like, a, a kind of seasoned grasp on the system. Um, but yeah, I cannot recommend Saga Forge enough. If you have trouble tracking it down, let me know. But Tistas is on the, um, is on the Swissy Discord. He's active on the subreddit. And then I believe it's on, on the, the subreddit side. sidebar. It should be there. It's, yeah. it's there too. I know there's those resource links. So that's another thing, Nate and everyone else who's listening wanted to direct you to. If you're not aware already, on the sidebar on the Saga Edition subreddit, there's just an excellent collection of resources. And you've probably seen that. Old heads love sharing their their Google drives full of of lovely goodies. Oh yeah, and I absolutely. recommend checking those out. There's always something worth. Saga Forge is great. I wouldn't recommend it for a first time no, player to d- make yeah. a. It's good for DMs. Good for DMs. Good for experienced players who know like exactly what, what works they and want. what doesn't, but yeah. and exactly what they want. But yeah, for to, for cranking out like a good BBG, um, absolutely Saga Forge is my is my go to. Um, I one the this isn't even like a downside. The only I guess obstacle to it is that you have to use like a legal official copy of microsoft yeah Excel. it doesn't work in like libre o- no you can't uh, use LibreOffice. Like you can't use google sheets um it strictly works in microsoft excel which you know that isn't hard to get but is a limitation steven we talked about session zeros from the player perspective last week oh yeah we did talk about session and zeros. i want to know from a dm Mm-hmm. If you were going to do a session zero for your place, let's say for your upcoming zero distance. Sure. Uh, sort of one shot. How, what would your session zero kind of go like? Well, gosh, you know, I, I'd really something that I, I found really is helpful is that with um, Saga Edition, the system especially, there's a bunch of player options like we talk about pretty much every week. There's just a whole sea out there. And, you know, maybe this is foolish, but I think it's a great idea. I am very honest about what sort of threats the party's going to face. You know, I don't give them a list of stat blocks. I don't say, yeah, you're going to fight a uh, Darth Maul and stormtroopers <laughs> the whole time. Like, no, I don't, I don't go there, but you know, like you read with that setting guide, I wrote, you know, I, I talk about three things, forces of nature, hostile militaries, and Thotestine intrigue. Like to me, that's enough to inform the players like, okay, you know, what build do I want to do here? What do I want to be prepared for? You know, it would be unfortunate if I was writing a campaign that was very political. Let's talk about maybe, you know, that idea you had the other week about that senator campaign where one player is a noble senator and then the party's like an entourage and you have to navigate kind of maybe a political quagmire. Maybe it's not too combat heavy. Maybe it's a much more political story. Well, it would be a goddamn shame if I built like a pure soldier who does nothing. IG but, big boom. Yeah. Like, yeah. Only like, carries uh, explosives around. Exactly. No like, Christmas stat whatsoever. Precisely. <laughs> that would be unfortunate if I, as a player was not told that by the game master and made the, the biggest boominest fourth degree droid you can imagine. Yeah. So I think being general, but honest about the kinds of threats that my party is going to face I think that's ultimately going to make everyone happier because they're going to build characters that are prepared for those sorts of things that they're going to face. And definitely mentioning like setting, setting yeah. era, yeah. stuff like that. Okay, yeah, those I mean that's that that's, should... that's a no brainer. But yeah, tell I would tell my players what era yeah. of Star Wars we're going to be in. God hate... forbid someone come in with like an old Republic and a legacy era character, and you know what I'd be te- <laughs> you know what I'd be tempted to do at that point, just like be there in Carbonite for like way too long. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like that's great. I like that actually. So that's why that's why when they come out, they're level one again. Yeah, they've lost their connection. There to the you force. go. There you go. I love. Oh it. man, that would be hilarious. That would be really. Cool. Even though I'm, I'm pretty sure in Star Wars, like, oh yeah, it's like in Star Wars. It's funny how they did this. 
I think it's briefly discussed in Empire Strikes Back that like carbonite isn't safe or proven no. way to transport people. No, like uh, freezing Han Solo and carbonite was purely like an experimental thing. Yeah, didn't Boba Fett ask Vader like, hey, is this going to work? Like, this might kill him. I need to be paid <laughs> if it kills him. And Vader's like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there are some earlier cases in which it's been done also yeah. experimentally. I think Anakin and Obi-Wan do it in the Clone Wars show to sneak into a prison. That's right. I was thinking about, yeah, they do do that. I was thinking about the scene in, in Empire where Boba doubts its efficacy and yeah. then i was and then when i saw it in clone wars i was like wait a minute well it's only there's only like two other actual mentioned uh places where that happens there's that scene and there's the clone trooper who gets frozen in carbonite for too long yeah and he wakes up in like post empire and he's like i got news about the inhibitor chips in order 66 and they're like no we don't, I don't know, know what that why is. that guy wasn't in the sequel trilogy uh, like, like, he's legends now. I'm pretty sure. No, no, no. That's oh, a, no, he that, is. That's a canon Disney canon. story, dude. That is so. It's such a cool concept. They don't, you know. Well, he went on to be a pirate. Is what? It yeah, is. exactly. He goes, on, he goes on to be a pirate yeah. king, which is really cool. It's fucking sick. <laughs> and then I think he like dies suddenly of clone <laughs> diseases and carbonite related complications. Yeah, well, um, Han got lucky only having blindness. That's for sure. You're forgetting one key carbonite phrase. Who? Dinjarin, baby. Oh, yeah, but that's, that's after Empire. That's, so we know that's, that's quite a few years later. He's probably perfected his own way Absolutely. Of doing it, that's yeah. why he's got like a, like a rack. Of, I love seeing inside his ship. He's got this rack of people frozen in carbonite. It's very I'm much like, like a shit. dry cleaners, <laughs> carbonite storage. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, you're absolutely right. I always wonder, like, what would it be like if he, like, forgot a guy, like, in, like, the back like, of all that? Like, he's one of the guys, the, the fish guy in season two. He's. Just in his ship, frozen in carbonite. No, and he, he comes back later, doesn't he? In season two? Do um, we see him again? We see him again, but only because he was salvaged from from Jin's ship. Is that I'm true? pretty sure. I'm 90%. That okay. might be wrong. I'm not That certain. might be wrong, but I think... No, because he, he mentions he has carbonite. He, he, he still has trouble seeing out one of his eyes from really? carbonite Really? Oh, sickness. yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's not that perfect. <laughs> but, you know, I just imagine, like, Din going through his, his ship, like, the Razor's Crest, and, like, doing some spring, spring cleaning. cleaning. Yeah, and exactly. And he, like, finds a bounty he forgot to turn in, and he's like, <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, snaps a finger off, like, oh. <laughs> he finds, like, a like a bounty fob, like, between the seats. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I should have turned this one in. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's, that's good. So, that's so funny. Nice. Um, we are at the part of the show where we think we get some more patrons. Actually. We have more patrons. I'm screw thanking you, Shit. the listener. Yeah. I want to thank <laughs> our patrons. <laughs> we got no. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sending us your emails. We love the emails. We've gotten so many like more emails than I ever thought we would get. We this is in the past six, seven weeks we've been doing this. We've gotten more emails than I expected to get through the whole like lifetime of this podcast. It's been wonderful. Every week uh, we get one, two, three, four people reaching out, letting us know that they, they love what we're doing and have just a plethora of wonderful things for us to talk about on the show. We have some more. This Well, actually, we're at the halfway point. We don't need to talk if about it. If you'd like to give us the little tinglies that make us happy and feel good inside, please shoot us an email at darktimesswse at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter or on the SAG edition of... Uh, discord and the subreddit we post every new episode of the subreddit as well yeah absolutely and uh thanks to our two new patrons uh dm vertigo uh thank you very much uh from canada uh and thank you to jeff from the role mongers network part of dicewise entertainment absolutely um sam we are officially self-sufficient yeah we're we're breaking even yeah, baby yeah. <laughs> not including the time it takes for us to go through all this stuff but you know i'd probably put maybe a good eight hours a week 
into this. Absolutely. The, the two or three hours recording and then five hours about editing. If I'm, if I'm having trouble. And every email, every comment we get, every at on discord, every patron just makes all that feel worth it and takes a huge load off our chest. You know, you guys are, you guys are players. You guys are game masters. You guys are creatives out there. You know how good it feels to have your blood, sweat and tears create something positive and, and a nice experience for others. And I'm, I'm beyond grateful and, and humbled by, by the response of everyone. And honestly, if the show has helped you understand SAG edition or get someone else into SAG edition, I would love it. I'd appreciate it. If you reviewed us on iTunes. Oh yeah. Because be if awesome. you do that, we'll call you, you know, we'll give you a shout out for there as well. It's just, you know, the best way for things like this to travel and get around is word of mouth. And I think we're probably going to have a new trailer going up. Oh, that would be exciting. Um, when this comes out. So, you know, you send people that if they're not, if they don't know what SAG edition is, or if they don't know anything about SAG edition, that's kind of the thing they can listen to first. Yeah. Totally. Before they get into the system. You know, you mentioned iTunes. I, I want to bring something else too. Um, I noticed like half of our listeners, maybe a little bit more, all listen on the Buzzsprout site, like that link that we post yeah. everywhere. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on Google podcasts. I think we're on Deezer, whatever that is. <laughs> we're on a lot of we're, we're on a lot of platforms so if you are using the buzzsprout site which is a great site i i love it um if you prefer to listen to us somewhere else look us up there too because we're there absolutely and if you can't find us there um i believe someone reached out to us and we got ourselves up on google Podcasts like as soon as they asked yeah 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 someone wanted us in google podcasts and we were up on google podcasts i think like six hours after that maybe less so, so. you know that's what it takes is if you if you don't find us on your preferred method of choice Please, oh. you know, shoot us a message real quick. It's a few like clicks that. for us. Like, it's so easy. Yeah, like, I could do it. Like, I, I just have to know specifically which ones you want to have them on. Absolutely. And we're in the second half of the show, Steven. We're in the second half We've of the show. We've got uh, kind of like a build email build hybrid. It's build, <laughs> it's build time. We hey, got, play, play that build time theme. It's build time. Time for a build. It's build time. Sam. <laughs> no, I've got to make it. All right, I'll make a build time theme for you. I don't you piece of shit. Don't, 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 don't try too hard, man. I don't want people to think I can like stand. <laughs> oh man. Oh, we got an email. I was very happy. To get this, this is a great email. email because it was a really cool idea for a build. And do you mind if I read the email? Please read the email, Sam. I'm this, always reading the emails. This one is from Aero. Yeah. Who I I I'm gonna take a shot in the dark and say probably from Italy. You think so? I know we have a queue, because I don't know who's using a VPN, and I don't know who's... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we have a few this, listeners in Europe, and I, honestly, that makes me so happy. We got a few in South America as well. So nice! There. That's so good. Um, Eros says, Hi guys, first of all, I'd like to apologize in advance for, en- for my English is not my native language. Don't worry, you did really well. This email is, no English is perfect, email. yeah. Anyway, great job with the podcast. I love what you are doing. Go on. I am DMing from six months, a campaign set in the KOTOR era. Mandalorian Wars at this time. Nice. Good choice. I very much like the suggestion you're giving on the show. I would like to suggest you to continue presenting the builds for players as you have done till now. Uh, he, here's a build idea that um, Arrow has brought up. Uh, he calls it the, the Oracle. Oracle. The build concept is based on a force power taking a lot of times, far seeing, and the Jedi talents that improve its use. Um, he mentioned a few at the earliest, as early as you can get sort of these basic talents was level seven yeah but steven and i came up with some other sort of feats and talents and uh that really build on it oh yeah there's some tweaks here that you can make that that make this great build even better Um, so the basic talents uh the visionary attack and defense you know i didn't know about these what 
I didn't know about visionary attack and visionary. Oh, defense. you didn't know about them at no, all. No, I, I didn't even know they. Ex- I think they're so cool. I, I want to read the text of visionary attack and okay, defense go for it. as well, um, just because it's worth reading and relevant. Because it actually, um, uh, well, you'll see in a second here. So, visionary attack uh, prerequisites are far seeing and watch circle initiative. Of course, as reaction, you can make it use the force check after you or an ally within twelve squares misses with a melee or ranged attack. Oh, I didn't even. This can be you or an ally. Yeah. Whoa. Removing one use of the farcing force power from your active force power suite, as though you had activated the force power. If your check result equals or exceeds the will defense of the target of that missed attack, the attacker can re-roll the missed attack roll. This counts as using the farcing force power, etc., etc. Um, any attack can only be affected by this talent once. Um, you take a cumulative minus five penalty on use the force checks until the beginning of your next turn when you use this talent. Very similar to how block and deflect would work. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. I didn't realize it was you or an ally. You might have mentioned it. What's the range for the target? That's 12 squares. So the, the enemy or the ally? So let's see here. As a reaction, you can make use of force check after you or an ally within 12 squares misses. So, so it doesn't have... The enemy could be across the map. The enemy could be 200 squares away. So let's say your Mandalorian sniper oh, PC yeah. Oh, yeah. has been spending two turns setting up mm-hmm. and is going for the... the this is like... The one shot, yeah, against the against the big bad rainy night on Narshada. Oh, and you know you take out the the big bad in one shot. Yeah. Oh, he missed. Well, let's Maybe use the force seeing force power to get him a reroll. That's I love that. That's oh, so good. So sick. It, it's so it's 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 really good. I like how versatile. How we yeah. talk about first farcing is versatile. Exactly. That's a very versatile uh, talent. As well. I agree, and just the. The idea of a force user using their like vision of the future and of a far flung target to aid a Mandalorian sniper or really anyone just just delightful. Uh, here comes visionary defense. This is, works very much the same way. As a reaction, you can use use the force check after you or an ally within twelve squares is the target of a melee or ranged attack, but before the results of the attack roll are known. Removing one use of the farcing force power from your active force power suite. If your check result equals or exceeds the will defense of the attacker, you grant the target of that attack a plus five force bonus to the reflex defense against that attack. Plus five is a lot. Like, oh, armor yeah. gives you maybe plus four if you have, like, the right talents for it. But getting a plus five, like, just well, like just in the spur of the moment is incredible. And it specifies a plus five force bonus. So any bonuses you already have from your equipment or a dodge bonus or anything like that will stack. With this plus five force bonus. Um, a little few more rules text here. It counts as using the farcing force power, of course. And just like um, visionary def- or just like visionary attack, you take a minus five penalty each time you use this uh, until your next turn. And then, of, oh, we should highlight renew vision as well. This is another one I wrote, pointed out for the, the um, Oracle build. Once per encounter, you can regain all expended uses of the farcing force power as a swift action. That's so good. <laughs> so like that's so good. So tentatively, you say you're level twelve or something like that. Yeah, you probably have maybe five uses of far seeing. Yeah, sure. I mean, as many all, as you want. As many, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as many as you can muster. If I was doing this, I would probably get like four. I probably slam. wouldn't use move object. I probably only have now. Hold seeing. on. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be using move object, man. That shit's I, insane. I think. A, well, I think a build like this would probably be like support yes it wouldn't be very combat no this is definitely the support jedi which i think is a a build we can all appreciate like fuck i i want to play this for my next jedi now (laughs) like the the meditative contemplative far-seeing support jedi it gives me very very chirrut imway 
But yeah, absolutely. Sort of just absolutely. manipulating the force. That's a good example of visionary defense. You know, absolutely. when he walks through the field and <laughs> right before his tragic death and sacrifice. <laughs> well, it's only one. It's a reaction, remember? So he only gets one of those per round. No, no, no. Damn it! Your Pathfinder pilled again. It's as many reactions as you can have shit to react to. <laughs> but isn't it once per round for the visionary defense? Or no, you just take a minus five kill and oh, penalty, okay. much yeah. like blocker deflect. So the minus. You heard anything I've said these past ten minutes? <laughs> the penalty got too cumulative, Stephen. Yeah, That's exactly. Why dies. <laughs> yeah, he takes it down to that. Minus 15. We His should, skill focus can't carry him anymore. We should done. do an episode where we take the most emotional moments from Star Wars, like hey. like saddest moments, and we just recreate them in, in the most like bland, tasteless saga edition format. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. Reroll another character. See you next week. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Yeah, like, Visionary Attack is really cool, and I think our friend with a a heavy crit-based Jedi build would have appreciated Visionary Attack. No, I, I completely agree. And, <laughs> you know, it, it would have kind of fit well within the theme of that character. And I like far-seeing as a force power. It's super oh, it's cool, so and it's got neat. all these other uses that I didn't know about. It's but, very, um, kind of a very flavorful, like, kind of storytelling force power. Like, it's it's certainly no force lightning where you just fucking zap a motherfucker. <laughs> um, but it's, it's not fold space where you can pull, like, just a, a one last escape out of your ass yeah farcing you know can we just let's just read go for farcing because it. it's it's really important to to this whole build and um I, I think it's worth just talking about because you know at face value it might not seem like much but the the generalness of farcing i think is its is its main strength how non-specific it is is what makes it so cool yeah versatility yeah versatility farcing takes a full round action to cast the target is one creature you know or have met before Make a use the force check. If your result is less than the target's will defense, you gain no information, including whether the target is alive or dead, and cannot use this force <laughs> power against the same target for 24 hours. If your result equals or exceeds the target's will defense, you can sense whether the target is alive or dead and gain a vague sense of their immediate surroundings and what it's currently doing and any strong emotions it is presently feeling. A dead target has a will defense of 30 for the purposes of this force power. Special. If you successfully use this force power, you can spend a force point to gain a clear mental image of the target's surroundings, as well as other creatures and objects within 12 meters of it. That's cool. Yeah. This is a great force power and potentially a little dangerous because it can unravel any sense of mystery that the oh, GM is trying to put around a villain, an ally, anything. Let's, let's say the princess they're trying to rescue is a double agent. Yeah. And is, isn't actually imprisoned by the Imperials. Maybe So it's when bait. they use far-seeing on the princess, they see Princess all buddy-buddy with our sort of giddy, our moth or anything like that. Exactly, exactly. This is a, this is a tough first power. The, it's, <laughs> it's tough, and the possibilities are endless. In certain campaigns, like maybe if, if it's, I think maybe like a Clone War campaign centered on like a murder mystery of a Padawan or something like that. I would probably just outright ban the use of farcing in that campaign because <laughs> it would be very, very hard to kind of establish that that mystery whodunit type of deal. Um, very cool force power and improvable with a couple key talents. I don't want to go. Um, so Oracle, I want to talk about the background. Now. We've, we've yeah. got, well, this, 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 sure, this uh, character Oracle has sort of the, the Jedi, obviously, and yeah. has these talents that require farcing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I was looking into um, the 
the Baron Doe Keldor Sages. Oh, what's and that all about? They're like a special force tradition that have a special talent. And their talent is you can spend 10 minutes and a force point to negate any attack once per day as long as it's not a nat 20. And however, if you um, if you don't negate an attack, you get the force point back. Wow. So it kind of goes back into the sort of using the far-seeing talent to see the future and... and, and the far-seeing force power. Far-seeing force power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To see the future and change it in ways like that i i love that that's a um is that one of those force tradition talents force tradition talent okay cool those are so neat very mixed bag (laughs) a lot of a lot of degrees of some of of them are kind of meh some of them are like why would i ever and then some of them are like that's life-changing yeah like (laughs) the the only prereqs you have to be a keldor so like plocoon's race something like that who doesn't want to be a fucking keldor i played a keldor once i had a fucking great time that one shot you ran you did it was was so much fun um Forest, some forest traditions are kind of you like you said it's a mixed bag. I think my least favorite ones are the ones that have to do with uh, weapons because the weapon it is it's always such a mediocre like oh it's a chain it's a it's my the flow thing way of the flaming chain I think is one that's or something. one of them yeah and it's really just kind of okay like like lightsaber talents deal would end up dealing more damage in yeah, the long that's run the thing. no matter what <laughs> nothing really beats a lightsaber yeah. most of the time like they ignore dr I don't the Dathomir <laughs> witch talent tree comes to mind which i actually like i think it's good it has flight flight it has beast, beast warden beast warden stuff like that um but uh, something about it, it it i think it falls short of like the development we've seen death mary which is get now yeah i think the death mary witch talent tree in in saga edition is more of a product of its time because i think there wasn't a whole lot of stuff centering those people not at all at, at, at the time but now um, we got like full books about Asashi. yeah now we have like that. you know dark disciple and several arcs and clone wars dedicated to, to night sisters and stuff like that and death mary witches so um yeah but but that's great yeah uh we also mentioned the watch circle initiate yeah i wanted to touch base on this because this is kind of the key to the whole oracle build um, I don't know a whole lot about the Watch Circle in terms of of lore, like old republic, the old lore. republic thing. Yeah, yeah, I know that they were important and very good at warding off the Sith and stuff like that. Um, your game master, a game master, might not allow you to take a talent that is so steeped in a specific corner of lore. Um, but we had a conversation a little bit off mic about that, and I yeah, think it's, it's it, worth talking about now. It was more like. What, well, what's can you? Could you read off what the watch? Circle yeah, let's let's initiate. read the talent. I keep forgetting. We should probably just be reading these talents. <laughs> watch Circle Initiate from the Knights of the Old Republic campaign guide. Uh, the prerequisite is the far seeing force power. As a reaction, you can make a use the force check DC fifteen and remove one use of the far seeing force power from your active force power suite, as though you just activated the force power. If successful, subtract one from your force point total. This cannot be subtracted from temporary force points and does not count as spending a force point. Woo. And add one to the force point total of an ally within line of sight. That's really good. Really cool. Really cool. Expending a use of the farcing force power and then handing your buddy a force point. That could be literally the difference between life or death. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I believe that is a prereq for visionary attack and defense. Yes, that is the the kind of the the keystone um, talent for that is a prerequisite for visionary attack and visionary defense. Um, And we were talking about. So the Watch Circle is sort of a group of Jedi Masters that are masters of the far-seeing force power. Yes. And so what they do is they look into the future and they see what happens and they try and avoid or change those events as possible. And 
yeah, it's an old Republic thing, but we don't really know a lot on whether that was a thing that was maintained through the Clone Wars. Yeah. It could be your player spends six months with a bunch of swamp monks who (laughs) basically give them the the Dark Times equivalent of the Watch Circle. Seriously, I was going to ask you, Sam, you know, what what would you do if, because let's just say we love the Dark Times. What if I was a plucky, uh, starry-eyed player, and I, I... I just really wanted this watch circle initiative. Like this Oracle build I saw online is so cool. And I just really want to play it. Like, how would you handle that? Easy, easy Jedi temple. Exactly. That's the, the, that's it. That's my MacGuffin right there. You did something similar. We, um, a player wanted the Vapod, uh, lightsaber form. Yeah. And you had them discover Mace Windu's personal journal in a Jedi temple on his home world. But Sam, we never see Mace Windu's personal journal in the movies. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a personal, it's probably a data pad to be honest. Exactly. But... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I remember that session. I was like, why did it have to be a book? But there's, well, we, we barely see books. Thankfully, with sequel, with, well, hey, the sequels did something good. That's we true, got the more books. Sacred Jedi text, the, baby. The ones that Yoda burns down. I love that scene so fucking it's so much. So great. Oh, man. It's great because they bring back, like, puppet Yoda. Yeah, no, he's he was CG Yoda. <laughs> like, yeah. he's still, oh, that's the it's, best part it's of it. Crotchety old puppet Yoda. Yeah. It's not CG for Clone Wars Yoda. As yeah. much as I love him. Backflip War Crimes Yoda versus <laughs> friendly puppet Yoda. <laughs> Yeah, that's war crimes duty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, um, I was, I was. I'm glad you brought that up because I was particularly proud of that example. Like, I, I had a character who desperately wanted to to learn Vapod, and why would you ever say no to that? It's fucking Vapod. It's Mace Windu's baby <laughs> in dark times. And I was scratching my head, like, God, how do I reconcile a, a lightsaber form that Mace Windu and only a few others practiced and perfected with? You know, the dark times, a time where, you know, lightsaber forms, you know, that level of heritage and martial training with the Jedi is non-existent. Um, and the answer was a, a book and a, and a cool vision sequence. Yeah, um, I mean, it worked. It was a memorable story moment and the player was happy. They got a they got the lightsaber form they wanted. Yeah, what they did. Is. And so everyone was happy. Uh, and I was thinking about this Oracle build. Like, how would you, you know, level seven, you get watch circle initiate visionary attack and defense. Yeah. How would you uh, expand upon that? And I was thinking about the force disciple class, oh, okay. which is sort of, it's, it's a classic. It's, it's a prestige class. Yeah. 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 12th level, which is kind of high up there for some campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is you have to have a force technique and you only get force techniques from Jedi master. I'm pretty sure. Or no, Jedi Knight. Oh no. Take it take a step back, Sam. The Force Adept Prestige oh. class grants you access or to Jedi force Knight. techniques. Or Jedi Knight grants you access to, to force technique. So by the time Oracles reach this disciple force disciple level, yeah. it's gonna be a bit of a mixed mixed like multi class kinda build, which yeah. isn't bad. No, I mean, that's gonna so be many cool. Cool things done with multi classing. Um but I only mention it because it has profit. So every time I gain a le- every time you gain a level in this prestige class, this is a class gain- feature, right? This is yeah, like a class feature. feature. Yeah, 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 a special thing. Prestige classes they don't give you uh, bonus feats, or they give you uh, a special thing for that class. Yes. Uh, the profit thing. Every time you gain a level in this prestige class, you gain two destiny points instead of one. Mm-hmm. Depending on the house rules of your DM, it might be different. Yeah. But two destiny points are pretty good for a character that can literally see the future, and their whole build's based around them seeing the future. <laughs> exactly. So I think Oracle's been kind of uh, buffed up a little bit. Totally. Um, read read the rest of Prophet. Oh, there's more. Yeah, it has. It, it, it's about <laughs> it's about seeing the future. Wow. So 
<laughs> in addition, oh, sorry, let me read it out just verbatim. Yeah. Every time you gain a level in this prestige class, you receive two destiny points instead of the usual one. In addition, you may sacrifice this extra destiny point immediately after gaining a class level. If you choose to do so, you instead receive a prophetic vision from the Force. The content of this vision is determined by the GM. The vision is instantaneous, so no time is required to exercise this option. Upon seeing the vision, you have the option to choose a new destiny. So as long as the new destiny is related in some way to the vision, the GM is the final arbiter of what new destiny or destinies are appropriate. So obviously this is going to be a banger in a campaign that really centers the destiny system. And any campaign that centers the destiny system is going to be a banger. Bam. That's a chiasmus. We can talk about more on that later. You could, I, I think when I read that out loud, what I first thing I thought of was Darth Maul and Ezra yeah, uh, looking sharing into the, that sharing the, holog- the holocrons of, and yeah. looking at the vision of Luke and Leia. And you could say Maul's destiny changed to something where he's, dies by Obi-Wan again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think Darth Maul is another solid example of the destruction destiny. Absolutely. That guy needed to destroy Obi-Wan. Like, that was <laughs> that was his destiny. But uh, the destruction destiny didn't apply to Obi-Wan, it applied to himself yeah, by turn- Obi-Wan's hand. <laughs> and that's something where you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just like Darth Maul's arc Oh, he's a great. I, mean, I feel like every episode we bring up how cool Darth Maul is, well, which he is, is. I know so it's. Cool. I'm not complaining. It, I could. Let's make the Darth Maul podcast because you finished. You finished season seven of the Clone Wars, right? Of course. So you've seen all the cool shit. Darth it's Maul amazing. Does in that it's season. incredible. No, that that that's that got Maul pilled. I mean, I always loved Maul ever since I first saw those two lightsabers ignite on the big screen. Trust me. But after you know, season seven of Clone Wars, my God, you know the guy who plays Maul in. Uh, Phantom Menace, right? Yeah, Ray um, Ray Park. Ray Park. Right? Yeah, they brought him to do the mocap for Darth Maul. In yeah, season seven of Clone I, Wars. he did. He did. Which um, on one end you're like, dang, this this fight between him and Ahsoka is incredible. And on the other hand, you notice they don't really use a lot of force powers. It's very much like a, it's very much a heavy combat, like no high jumps or anything like that. Nothing that we saw in the prequels. You know, well, that's true. <laughs> you know, Darth Maul. You know, force powers don't come to mind first when I think of Darth Maul. You know, I think of his crazy, cool martial ability, yeah. his, his spins, his Absolutely. kicks, his his intimidating grimace. Um, fun fact: which is a force power in its own. <laughs> yeah, intimidating it is. grimace. It is. <laughs> Signature look of superiority. That's <laughs> uh, Dooku, though. Um, Sam Witwer, the yes. voice actor for Darth Maul. Yes. Funny connection here. He was actually a big advocate of Swissy back in the day. Really? He's a huge Swissy fan. That's so cool. It's really cool. And that's my my number one, like, get on the podcast, Sam Witwer. Oh, I didn't consider that, but I that's a really totally good idea. Might. I think he would do it. He's a he's a cool guy. I think if we get maybe a little a little bit bigger. Um, no, he's he's cool. And actually, this is here's your deep Star Wars trivia of of the of the week. I, I guarantee you can't learn this anywhere else <laughs> okay. besides from me. Okay. So Sam Witwer has a couple, uh, several voice credits in Star Wars. He kind of his first big Star Wars role was Star Killer in the Force Unleashed games. Yes, yes. He w- didn't voice Palpatine in those games, but he would go on to voice Palpatine in I think the Clone Wars, if not Rebels. Might be both. Gotta check me on that one. However, his first voice credit as the Emperor was on the Order 66 podcast for a few skits they did with him. Really? Yes. Oh, that's in, so cool. In several Order 66 podcasts, because they bring him on like a bunch of times. Yeah. He's deeply involved with them, or he was. Um, he They do a few skits with him, and he talks about how badly he wishes he could do Palpatine for an official Star Wars release. Wait, so... 
It's his, is it his same voice that he does for Palpatine? Yes, and it's the exact that same voice so... he busts out oh, for man. either Clone Wars or Rebels or both. I know Clone Wars had a couple different Emperor Palpatine. voice yeah. actors. Yeah, I think Palpatine. it's Rebels where it's definitely Sam Witwer. It's definitely Sam Witwer by Rebels. Um, so yeah, that, that's always a fun fact that I love that his first credit as Palpatine was in the Order 66 podcast where he wishes that he could voice the Emperor. I want to have Mommy do a Palpatine off. That would, Palpatine off, that would be <laughs> Between a Between him and me, who has a better Do the full episode, Palpatine. all three of us doing our Palpatine. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, shit. good. Yeah. <laughs> we have an email this week. <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, if you know Sam Whitworth, get him on. If you know Sam Whitworth, tell him about <laughs> please. us. Please, please. I mean, please. Sam Whitworth, we want you on the show. Uh, I would darktimeswissy at gmail.com. I would nerd out so hard if we had Darth Maul's voice actor on the show. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I like, I, I want to just scream. That's enough reason to keep going. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, thank you all again for listening. Thank you, I, I, Aero, for the build. If you have a build you want to send us, darktimeswse at gmail. We'll highlight it. I've heard a lot of you out there have some condition track killers that, that you said that, the, that are better than the ones we reviewed last week. So let's Ooh, see it. Yes. I want to see it. I want to Name. see your CT killers. You I know, want to see your cool favorite build what? as a sort of um, the CT killer ultimate wrestling ring <laughs> for like a Patreon only or something like that. I don't know. That'd, that could that'd be, be cool. That could be cool. That could be cool. Um, um, thanks everyone again. Please reach out to us. Um, that's darktimeswissy at gmail.com. We're at darktimeswissy on Twitter. We're active on the subreddit, on the Discord. We'll get that Discord link up in the episode description, I think. Listen to us on Spotify, Spotify Apple Music, Google Apple, Podcasts. Everywhere you get your podcasts. The Dark Times Podcast is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven's my co-host. Yes, indeed. Um, I have a quote this week. Oh, actually. let's hear it. I can't wait. Yeah, I just finished watching Visions. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah. This one is from... This one's from the Elder episode with the Jedi and his Padawan. The quote is... The seeds of misfortune when in peaceful soil can be easy to overlook. Hey, I really like that. A lot of good quotes from Visions. Visions was awesome. Go watch Visions. <laughs> Have a good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs>